faced a mountain that I've never faced before. That's why I'm calling on you, Lord. I know it's been a while, but Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never have before. Sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a trouble sea. Sometimes it takes.
Yes, good morning again. Good morning. Do you need him? Do you need him? What is your mountain this morning? What is your desert? What is your troubled sea? Sometimes it does take a mountain. For me, I am so stubborn that it takes all three in one to get my attention, to tap me on the shoulder. But I believe that my stumbling blocks are stepping stones. They are stepping stones. So this morning, we come, we come, we come, Lord. Help us with our mountains and our desert and our stumbling blocks. But we know that he has the answers. He, we know that he's a God who just tap us to get our attention. And while he have our attention, he will take us through. I want to pray this morning for Pastor Ava as she comes and delivers the word. I just want us to bow our, our heads this morning and to spend some time in God with this woman of God. Ask God this morning with me to take full control. Full control because she's going to need him this morning. She's going to need him this morning. Father, we come before you. We come, God. We are here, God. We have offered ourselves, God. We come, Lord, because we are willing. We are in love with you, God. This morning, Father God, you have presented your communion. You have reminded us, God, of our giving. You have reminded us, God, of our everything that we need to do in worship. But God, you are love. You are the word. And this morning, Father God, the word is like a two-edged sword that can cut and carve and do surgery on our hearts this morning. And so here we are this morning. Here we are. Here we are, Lord. Here we are before you, penitent, prostrate before you, God. I deliver Ava into your hand this morning, God, that you will speak with authority. Speak like only you can speak through her, God, that are tongue father god will be loose and that your words will roll off of her tongue father god that it will bring confirmation it will bring transformation to our hearts and so this morning i deliver her into your hand god and i pray father god that you will use her use her mightily mightily god i give you thanks god because it's already done in the spirit in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning. Sometimes it, take, it takes 
a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it take the desert and even deserts sometimes to get a hold of me. And so Father, this morning I thank you God. I thank you, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. And I pray, Lord, that the words that will be spoken this morning will be your words, Lord. Lord, here I am. I offer my body, I offer my voice, I offer my mind. I offer everything about me, Lord, this morning to you. Use me as you see fit, God, for your glory, for your fame, for your name only. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Good morning again. <laughs> I just showed you a little clipping of a pit stop. Pit stops are necessary for a race car driver actually formula one motor racing is the fastest sport in the world and central to their strategy of winning a race is a pit stop no driver no matter how fast they drive can win a race without taking a pit stop but at this pit stops at the pit stops rather the drivers are refreshed they receive new instructions. Their engines are checked and repaired and they are refueled and they are set off on a on new tires. I don't know if you noticed that how the inner rim, rim of the tires were burnt out and, you'd, and they were, would have been new tires that would have been placed on that vehicle prior to it driving off. But Formula One says, though speed and strategy is important it is in the it is in the timing and in the management of the pit stop that the race is won it is in the timing and in the management of the pit stop that the race is won so no matter how fast you are no matter how fast you are you cannot win a race without pit stops and so I want you to journey with me now to number 33 John number 33 reads so number 33 is basically just giving us a summary of the 40-year journey that they that brought the Israelites from Egypt to Moab and it lists 42 pit stops along their journey 42 pit stops and the question I ask you this morning is how 
do you like to take pit stops on your journey? So you're traveling from Kingston to Montego Bay. How many times do you want to stop? Or you're traveling from, from, from New York to Atlanta or New York to, to, to Texas or to Florida. How many times do you want to stop to change your tires? How many times do you want to stop to take a bathroom break? How many times do you want to stop to refuel? Because, and, and worse, if, if the, 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 the larger states refueling will take you sometimes a good 20 minutes off the highway. And remember when we were going to Austin and we saw the exit for the gas station. And we assumed that the exit was it was the gas station was just there because this big sign was there showing the gas station and it took us a little while to drive to get there how many of us how many times do you want to go through that for a long journey and i can be sure that none of us like pit stops but pit stops are necessary Pit stops are necessary in life. They are the points of departure and they are also they are the points of arrival in our lives that reveal our hearts towards God and God's hearts towards us. God permits situations in our lives that causes us to need pit stops. You are wired to after drinking fluid that you're naturally going to want to use get a bathroom break. You, God designed your body that way. He designed that after a while you want to stop and stretch your legs. The, the motor vehicle manufacturer designed the vehicle in a way that after a certain amount of miles, the vehicle needs to be refueled. And God, in taking the Israelites out of Egypt, designed pit stops along the way and designed the situations along the way for them to take a rest so that he could test them so that he could instruct them so that he could strengthen them in their faith so that he could give them the endurance so that they could draw closer to him instead of drift away and he does the same to you and i he does the same to you and me. He does the same to all of us. And so I want you to look with me at numbers 43. Filled and I, and I, and I can guarantee you, guarantee you that when we get to this part of numbers, we will just jump over verse 6 and land at 48. We would have spent the time reading all of those. They, may, they make no sense. But every stop, every encampment of the Israelites was necessary for their journey. Each stop represented a pit stop that God had permitted and had created situations and, and for them to stop, to examine, to stop, to look at their hearts, to stop and to see the God that is leading them. So verse, verse 30, I won't be reading all of that, but I'll read verse, verse, 30, verse 1 to verse 5. It says, it reads as follows. Stages in Israel's journey. 
Here are the stages in the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt by divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses recorded the stages in their journey. This is their journey by stages. The Israelites left, set out from Ramesses, which otherwise called Goshen, on the 15th day of the first month, and the day after, which is the day after Passover. They marched out boldly in full view of all the Egyptians who were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them. For the Lord had brought, brought judgment on the gods of the, of, of the Egyptians. And the Israelites left Ramesses and camped at Succoth, or Succoth, whatever the pronunciation is. Each pit stop revealed, and when you look at the other pit stops, they left Succoth and they camped at Etham, and they left there and they went and they left and they went and they, and you can see, you can read this in your own time, and they left one, they, 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 they departed one, they arrived at another one, and as I said to you before, it is important, the points of a departure and the points of arrival at a pit stop is important. There's a time frame for the driver to, to be there, to be able to run his race well. If he goes there and, and he's being instructed and he refuses to take the instruction, he's going to delay the process. If he goes there and something is wrong with the vehicle, he's going to delay the process. There's a point that it's necessary that there is minimal amount of time spent in, at the pit stop for a reason. Each pit stop, as I said earlier, revealed Israelite, the Israelites' faithlessness. It revealed their unfaithfulness. It revealed how rebellious they were and were to God. And at the same time, it revealed God's justice. God's mercy, God's love and kindness, God's faith and God's faithfulness towards the Israelites as the purposes to bring them out of Egypt after 430 years, some of which were spent in horrible slavery. The people of God called, were called or are called rather to remember who the Lord has shown of the Lord has shown himself to them in the past. And in that way they are to act in light of what they have seen in the present. So we see in Exodus 2 the Israelites crying out to the Lord, and the scripture says they groaned and they cried out to the Lord for deliverance from their slave drivers. God saw their oppression, he heard their cries of distress, he was concerned about their suffering. And he, what God did, God remembered the covenant that he made to the patriarchs, which is Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and he came down to rescue his people. But if you know the same God that I know, you know that God does not work in isolation. He uses vessels. And so he chooses a man called Moses, born as a Levite, but raised in an Egyptian household. Who could be a better person to do what God wanted him to do? Here it was, Moses had the lineage and the genealogy of an of, 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 of of Israelite. And at the same time, he, had the, 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 he was 
taught the ways of the Egyptian. So he could represent the Israelites and he could speak to, to Pharaoh at the same time because he was that knowledgeable in both areas. God sent Moses to deliver Israel from Pharaoh and after many discourses and supernatural occurrences with the plagues, and the and 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 and, and, uh, and all that you see and the and the dying of the firstborn exodus twelve thirty one to 42 tells us that pharaoh summons moses aaron and the israelites and say to them leave egypt you have done enough damage go and worship your god and then he said to moses but bless me before you go so even pharaoh recognized the importance and the great and awesomeness of israelites god do you recognize that awesome god that you serve so imagine that excitement in the camp that morning when everyone was preoccupied with going into the promised land they knew that physically they were no longer going to be in slavery and I can imagine how they spoke to each other. I can imagine how they anticipated what was what was what they were going into and the and, and the and the possibilities of what freedom looks like. Can you imagine with me how they quickly or how they thought that the journey would be a quick journey because the same God who took them out would get them there quickly. They expected the journey to be easy. They expected the journey to be short. Actually, they expected that the, from point A to point B would be, not, be a straight line, a direct route from Egypt through, through the Philistine country. But it was not as they had anticipated. God had designed a journey for them. A journey that in the natural would have lasted two weeks. But God added pit stops along the way and the journey became 40 years. Can you imagine the prophetic words that came to you and you heard that God is going to bless you. You hear about the new opportunities, the new business that God has in store for you. You hear about the spouse and the children that God has our promises to give to you. Or even about your own children that are already born. And God is saying salvation is coming to your household. Imagine the promises he made about your siblings. Your household should be saved. Imagine when he says healing is coming to your body and to the bodies of those you pray for. Imagine how you are waiting and you are anticipating what god is going to do but as you journey along that route and as you wait on god you realize two weeks turning into a month a month is turning into a year and a year is turning into years and and, and, and decades and you may be wondering where is god did i hear him or did god not know the route as well did god understand the way that he's taking me did does god know how important it is for me to get to that place to get to fulfill the promise did does god understand how necessary it is for the journey to come to an end 
And so from the Israelites' journey, we learn that God cho chooses your path and he chooses my path. And though it may not be the shortest route or the shortest route, it is the best possible journey, the best possible pathway for you and I. And it reveals his faithfulness, his mercy, and his love. Track with me to Exodus 3 verses 8 and verse 17. And from those two verses, we, it seemed as if God indicated that his original plan was to take them from the land of Canaan, from the land of Egypt rather, to the Philistine country, which would be, have been the quickest route. And that night, the Israelites left Ramesses, as I said to you earlier, other, otherwise in the, in the city or the town of Goshen. And the Lord kept vigil to bring them out of Egypt. So imagine God taking them out, leading them. And at their first pit stop, God revealed, which is Exodus 12, 37, God revealed through his actions that he was their deliverer and their shelter. Actually, the word Sukkoth or Sukkoth means shelter. And that is why the, 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 the Jews to date, at a certain time of the year, they build these, the, the, these buildings or these, these structures without, without a roof made from plyboards and they, and they stay overnight in it because they are remembering that God brought them out of Egypt and he was their shelter. So there's no roof on the building. You can look at it. I'm so sorry I didn't, I didn't have a design this morning to show you. But these structures that are built from plywood, well, plywood now, I don't think they had plywood then, but whatever they built it from then. God knew what the Israelites can handle. He knew Pharaoh would pursue them and that at the first sign of trouble, they would run back to the comfort of Egypt. They knew. Exodus 13, 17 to 18 tells us that when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. God knows that the route or the route or the journey or the pathway that you are traveling on, he knows, he chose it. He knows if I took Karen on the shorter route. When problems come, Karen may desert me. And he knows and he says, I will take her away the road that when Pharaoh comes, because God knew that Pharaoh was going to come. He knew that Pharaoh was going to come and, 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 and to pursue them. And God says, when Pharaoh comes, if they recognize that they will have war or that there is going to be war, they will return to Egypt. As human beings, you and I have a way of going back to what is familiar. You don't like it, and you'll see, you'll see that in a marriage. You'll see a woman in an abusive marriage, and she, she may be brave enough to come out for a day or for a month or for a week, but she starts to yearn for the abuse. 
I remember I'm, I remember being told of a story of a chicken, a man was raising a chicken or a farmer was raising a chicken and he placed some wires around the chicken that confined the movement of the chicken. He had the chicken there for a while and he took the, 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 the fencing away from the chicken. But the chicken would not move. The chicken step kept pacing the same square area, the same area that it was accustomed to living in. Because the mind was already enslaved. The mind was already programmed to live within the confines that it grew in. And God is saying the same thing to you and I. That, that sin has become the confines of our lives. And we have become accustomed to living in or living a particular way. Living in sin. We have become accustomed to being deceptive. We have become accustomed to lying. We have become accustomed to doing things that are sinful nature. Is calling us and God is saying no you are no longer under the sinful nature I have called you saints and so God says about the Israelite that if they face war they might change their minds about going to the promised land the same promised land that they were anticipating and exuberant about going they will change their minds and return to slavery in Egypt. But God proved to them by changing and choosing a route for them, he, he revealed that he was Israel's protector. Knowing what he knows, God carefully chooses a route by way of the wilderness and the Red Sea. To keep Israel out of danger. It was a long, 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 long journey. It would have been a shorter journey if they took the shorter route. But this route was the best route for Israel. And God had designed pit stops along the journey. To reveal that he was a faithful God. To reveal that he was a merciful and a loving God towards them. And so after leaving the Red Sea, the Israelites traveled for three days without finding water. God created the circumstances, but he also designed the pit stop. And so they traveled for three days in Exodus 15 verses 22 to 27 without finding water. And after they came upon water, the water was bitter. Mara. The place was called Mara because of the water. They grumbled against God. And in grumbling, they revealed that they were an unbelieving bunch. Israel forgot that the same God who brought them out of Egypt was able to give them water. You and I sometimes are like Israel. We rejoice in the moments when it's good. But as long as God allows or permits hardship or suffering to come, we grumble, we complain, we lose trust in God. 
But it was at Mara, this pit stop, that God wanted to test them. And so from Mara to heal him, the next pit stop, God allowed them to experience 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And I thought about the palm trees. Why the mention of palm trees? And I'm saying it must be coconuts. Because those little palms, what much, well, you can get oil from it. But I wouldn't think it would be much for them to, or, and they can eat it, right? The seeds. Go ahead, Tamara, I hear you saying something. Oh, the date part. Okay, the dates. So they had, but they were, they, but they were thirsty. And God allowed them to have 12 springs to get water from. How easy it is to grumble and complain too quickly. Only to be embarrassed by God's help. How quickly and easy it was for the Israelites and you and I to grumble and complain. Only to be embarrassed that our God is faithful. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's a sustainer. God knows what you and I can handle. And you know what? He knows that you're a grumbler. He knows that we are grumblers. He knows that we are complainers. He knows that at the first sign of a problem, we will lose faith in him and we will question him. God, did I hear you? God, are you sure? It couldn't be God. It must be the enemy. God knows that you and I will be tempted on this journey. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he uses scriptures like those to say, to promise us, that he, though he allow temptations, because he has to allow it, he does not tempt us, but he allows temptations. He says, I will not allow more than you are able to bear. So trust me. He knows what lies ahead, but requires that you and I trust him because he is the only one who can stand at your beginning and accurately declare your end. According to Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. God knows that you are in need of comfort. And he knows that as human beings, we want to be in control. I may not want to control you, but I want to control my outcome. And, but he instructs you to trust him. And he says, lean not on to, to your own. On, lean not to, trust him with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 4 to 5. God knows the circumstances that brings fear in your life. Month end is coming. It's mortgage time. It's bill payment time. September is coming. It is school fee time. God knows what brings fear. Monday morning is coming. You lived over the weekend away from the COVID users, but Monday morning is coming. You'll be exposed to people who possibly have COVID. And God knows the circumstances that brings fear to your life. He knows what causes you to change your mind about him. He knows what would cause you to run back to your old life and to your old ways of thinking. 
what he says to you this morning through Isaiah 41.10. Fear not. I am with you. Do not be discouraged. I am your God. God knows you desire a prosperous life. He knows that you anticipate the fulfillment of the prophetic word. But he permits pit stops such as divorce, failures, barrenness, singleness, job issues, health, relational and financial issues dissatisfaction in ministry because the truth is god i heard you say plant a church and planting a church had too many ups and downs it cannot be god lord i thought that by now i would have been further along the journey but god says i allow pit stops along your journey to test you and at the same time to reveal to you that I'm a faithful, merciful, and a loving God. God says, I know you want to be prosperous. But I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Jeremiah 29, 11. God chooses our path my second point not just to get us to our destination quickly but to free us from bondage it took god one day to get the israelites out of egypt but 40 years to get egypt out of the israelites it took god one day to get the israelites out of egypt but 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. The Israelites saw God's supernatural power against Pharaoh. They saw his physical appearance at what we call a theophany. At the, at the second pit, pit stop in Etham, God lit their path and led them by the way in a pillar of cloud by night. Pillar of cloud by day rather. And a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they could travel. Exodus 13, 21 to 22. They saw how God delivered them from the Egyptians. But when they were trapped between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army, instead of trusting God to deliver them, they behaved like slaves. They went back to the slave mentality. They whined, they complained, they grumbled. The same thing you and I do. The same thing you and I have done. Exodus 14, 10 to 12 tells us that they cried out to the Lord and they complained to Moses saying, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Couldn't I get hungry in, 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 in Jamaica, Lord? Why America? Could I, couldn't, couldn't I be lonely in Jamaica, Lord? Why America? Couldn't I? And you can finish the sentences. 
Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt, they said. Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That is what they were saying. What have you been saying? What have you been saying? Lord, it is better. It was better. It is better, God. It is better. It is better, Father. And God is saying to you, I have called you. I have called you to come on this journey. I am delivering you. I am freeing you from that bondage mindset. The Israelites had lived under the bondage of slavery for so long that they had developed the mentality of slaves. They were insecure. They, were, they felt inadequate. They were ashamed. They felt unworthy. And the only thing they knew was to have a slave master. The longer you and I live under the bondage of sin, developing and maintaining sinful habits, the longer we believe the lies of the enemy and the more enslaved we are. What are the lies you have been believing? I have believed a lie for so many years that it is still affecting me somewhat. And as I said to my counselor, the lie feels like my eyelash got into my eyes and I removed it, but the impression is still there. I know that the eyelash is not in my eyes. I know that the lie that I believe is not true. But my brain, according to neuroscience, that what I believe impacts my brain. And if I untrain the mind... The, my brain pattern will also change. What lies have you believed? What bondage of sin have you been living under? What sinful habits have you been developing and maintaining that keeps you in the mindset of a slave? The more enslaved you and I are, the longer the process to unlearn and to develop the mindset of sons and daughters. The longer you and I stay enslaved, the longer it is to unlearn the mindset of a slave, to develop the mindset of a son and the mindset of a daughter. God's plan for Israel was more, was greater than getting to their destination via a short route. God's purposed Israel to be free. Free from rebellion. Free from pride. Free from insecurities. Free from inadequacies. Free from worthlessness. Free from rejection and abandonment. Free from shame and anger and malice God wanted Israel to trust him and to worship him as sons and daughters and not as slaves where was the Israelites trust in God in the God who provided reassurance and inspired a burning zeal for them the God who protected them from their enemies 
the longer you and I live in rebellion to God. Because that is what sin is. Sin is rebellion to God. Doing life your way rather than God's way. The longer the process to undo the damage of sin. And so God will permit pit stops along your way to free you, to free me from the mentality of slavery. What are the pit stops in your life that are, that are seemingly inconvenient? What are the pit stops? What are the things that you are going through that you are having to trust God more now than when you could have done it on your own and God is saying to you, trust me. You need a bathroom break. You need to change your tires. Trust me. We all want what God has promised now. If you go back to your journals or remember all those prophetic words that we, would, that we got, wouldn't you want them to happen today? Wouldn't you want them to be fulfilled today? Be honest. Wouldn't you want every prophetic word, the good ones, not the bad ones, to be fulfilled today? Wouldn't you want all of that blessings today? The ministry that God called you to. The successful career and business. The payment of your debts. The spouses that he promised some of you to have. And the longer it takes, the more impatient all of us become. But God's plan for you and I is not about fulfilling his promises quickly. God promises to develop a Christ-like character in and along the journey so that you will be free, free to worship, free to know who you are, free to serve him. Actually, in Exodus 13, I'm sorry, number 13, When Israel got to Sinai and they were to go and inhabit the land of the Amorites, and, I, and I'm looking at Deuteronomy 1 verses 6 to 8, and they were to occupy the land, the Amorites and the, the Negev and the, the mountains, the Arabia and all of that, they said, let us send some spies. And they sent spies because they didn't trust God. And God allowed them, permitted them. But when they got there, this ten of the spies says, We saw men like grasshoppers. We, we are like grasshoppers. We saw giants. We saw men. We saw men who were descendants of Nephilim, the Anak. Because when you and I do not trust God, the way we see him, the way we see ourselves, the way we see our enemies and the things around us, pales. Our image of God impacts our image of our problems and our image of ourselves. The longer you live in rebellion to God, doing life your way 
doing life your way doing life your way the longer you and i live in sin live in bondage live with a mindset and a mentality of slavery but god purposes to develop christ-like characters in all of us along the journey but he says you must trust me you must trust me with the pit stops because every pit stop is necessary i have permitted because no pit stop no pit stop you and i can come to without god allowing the song that we that we listened to earlier says it sometimes it takes a mountain it is a pit stop sometimes god takes to get a hold of us to get our attention it is the moments when you cannot do it and you cannot control the outcome that we turn our eyes to God. King David, a man known after God's own heart, was anointed king in his youth. Yet he never ascended to the throne until approximately 15 years later. Why? Think about it. He's anointed king. And a king must rule on his throne. But we saw David running from Saul. God was permitting Saul to pursue David, to free David from the Saul-like qualities in him. God will allow situations in your life and in my life to free us, to rid us from the qualities in our lives that are not forthcoming. The qualities in our lives that are not what he desires for us to have for the next stage of the journey. Your pit stop has been designed. Your pit stops have been designed to rid you of, of the character traits that are not beneficial to the, the next stage of your journey. Pit stops make the journey longer. Two weeks turn 40 years. But they are designed to slow us down. Slow down enough so that you and I can reflect. So that you and I can see God's goodness. And for some of us, the pit stops are designed Tamar read that song, that, that scripture this morning, Joshua 1.9, to cause us to be bold and courageous in our service to God. My third and final point is, God chooses the pathway to lead us, not according to our, the desires of our hearts, but according to the needs of our hearts. God was more concerned about the heart of his people than for them to get to the promised land quickly. That is our concern. We want to get there now. We want to do it now. We are a now people. We are a, we are a microwave society. We want it now. Yesterday, I felt for something different from what I normally would have eaten. As my mother would say, every time you feel for something that is good, it's always something that you are not to have. I felt for Chick-fil-A. 
and I contemplated and I thought about it and I said, wow, I thought it, Chick-fil-A was just like all over calling me, come girl, come. And I knew I had some, some zucchini soup down there, but I didn't want any zucchini soup. I didn't want to be healthy. I wanted some things. I wanted something else. But when I remember that when I, if I go to Chick-fil-A, that long line, I went downstairs and made a carrot cake. God is more interested in my heart, your heart, than he is interested in you getting to that promised land or that dream be fulfilled or my meeting that need of my hunger. He knows that we are a complaining people with rebellious attitudes. He knows the way that we would take. He knows what influences us. He knows that our faith needs to be strengthened. He knows the motives of our hearts. He knows that if the line, if I never thought about the long line, I would have had the Chick-fil-A and then sit down and say, well, I shouldn't have had it, you know. After eating it and enjoying it, eating, having every bite. So God knows us more than we know ourselves. He knows that they would not want a leader like Moses because they weren't they grumbled against Moses they grumbled Moses and Miriam says but how why do you think it's about you why do you think that God has called you we saw Korah's rebellion we saw them rebelling against Moses over and over and over they would never have chosen a Moses and God knew but God said this is the leader I have chosen to lead you because I know your heart Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that the human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Yet Proverbs 12, 21 verse 2 tells us that in our own eyes as human beings, we feel right. But thanks be to Jeremiah 17, 10 that tells us that the Lord examines our hearts and he examines our secret motives and he gives all his people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. God takes you on the journey and gives you and permits the pit stops because he wants to give you a new heart and a new spirit. Ezekiel 36, 26 tells us that God gives us a new heart and a new spirit. And he uses pit stops which are needless extension to the journey, but necessary for what God wants to accomplish in us to get us to our des destination safely. Formula company, the racing car company says, the strategy, speed and strategy, it is all about speed and strategy for the race. But the timing and the management of the pit stops is what causes the race to be won. How have you been managing your pit stops? Have you been staying longer at a pit stop than you should? How long have you been staying? Think about it. 
Have you been camping out at a pit stop? Actually building a house when it should just be a tent? Because it, it, it is always an encampment. Have you been staying at that place longer than God desires you to stay? Because in the end, the journey, the land, God's revelation of himself and his instruction along the way become the means by which you and I will learn that he is faithful, that he is trusting, that he is merciful, that he is patient, that he is just, that he is holy. And it's at these pit stops, God reveals and proves to, to us that he is trustworthy. It's at the pit stops he taught them how to worship. That's, for every time they stopped, there was something that they were instructed to do. And if you look at Mount Sinai, they were given the instruction, the Ten Commandments. They actually stayed one year at Mount Sinai. That was where God prepared them to go into the promised land. God knows the pit stops that you and I are in need of. He knows the safe plate journey for you and I to walk on. We all want a safe journey. We all want a safe life. And I have a friend who, who, who would pray a lot for journeying mercies. Everybody wants to get to their destination safely. But we need, it cannot be done with minimal amount of faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain for what we do not see. Faith requires a secure beginning. And a secure ending point. So you know at the beginning that you're starting. That this is what God has promised. And the same faith in which you started the journey. Is the same faith you and I must have. By the time we get to the end of the journey. The beginning point of faith is believing in God's character. He is who he says he is. And the end point is believing in God's promise. He will do what he says. When you and I believe that God will fulfill his promises, even though we do not see the promises materializing as yet, we demonstrate faith in him. God's goal for you is more than fulfilling promises. It's more than getting you to your destination quickly. It's more than fulfilling that prophetic word that you heard. It's more than meeting your particular need. God's goal is for you to have a heart that is turned towards him. A mind that is free to serve and to worship him. God's goal is to get you and I to that place that we will recognize that he is faithful in all circumstances. He is loving and kind and merciful in every situation. And so despite the route or the journey that you are on, whether it be a two-week journey, a one-day journey, 
that you will begin the point of trusting him from the beginning that you'll trust him from the beginning until the end of your journey god is more interested in transforming your heart and in transforming my heart and he will permit stops along the journey to free us from the egypt that has kept us in bondage to free us so that we can trust him to free us so that we can receive his instructions to go to give us the boldness and the courage that we need to live each day as we go about conquering the promised land the freedom that we need to live in the nation to live in the promised land a land that is ruled by him and so this morning i want you to think about the pit stops in your life think about how you have it's just difficult it's difficult it's difficult you have cried you have grumbled you 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 have done everything possible and god is saying to you today pit stops are necessary pit stops are necessary for the journey you cannot get to the promised land without going through the stops that God has permitted and designed and created for you to, to go through. We cannot get to the promised land without the pit stops. Pit stops are necessary. Pit stops are necessary. Let us tell ourselves pit stops are necessary. They are for our own good. Even though none of us like them. I don't like stopping and going to the bathroom when I'm driving. I don't like stopping to, to, to deviate to get gas. I don't, like to, I don't want to stop to change my tires because I cannot change my tires. But all of those parts and part of the journey are necessary. Do you prefer to, to stop and to change a slow leak? Or to be on the highway? And have your tire explode. God chooses our pathway. And though they may not be the shortest, they are the best route, best part, best pathway for the journey for which he has called you and I to travel on. And so this morning I want us to reflect. Reflect, reflect, reflect. Sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes the desert to get a hole of me and I want us to listen to this song again and I want as you listen hear God speaks to you hear him speak to you about your own journey and what it is that he has created these pit stops to accomplish in your life 
faced a mountain that I've never faced before. That's why I'm calling on you, Lord. I know it's been a while, but Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never have before. Mm. Sometimes it takes a
Yeah.